Hi there, and welcome to One Body, One Life, proudly sponsored by Jamae's Fine Foods. I'm Vicky Nguyen, and I'm on a personal mission to live to 120, and I would absolutely love to take you on this journey with me. This show is focused on longevity and understanding how we can all live longer and stronger through diet, exercise, lifestyle, nutrition, and so on. Each episode, we will uncover tips and tricks to living your healthiest and happiest life for as long as physically possible. I'll be chatting to the experts as well as people who have defied the odds and explore various treatments and modalities to help us all reach optimal wellness. Today I get to chat to the one and only authenticity coach, keynote speaker, real, raw, relatable podcast host and creator of the Zero Fucks movement, Kat John. So over the last decade, Kat has led the way to inspire people to live a life of truth and that is authentic to them and to help them focus on deeper matters of the heart. As a keynote speaker, she speaks from the heart and she's guaranteed to make you think, cry, laugh and leave you with something tangible to take away. Her audiences feel inspired, empowered and filled with hope. So through her work, Kat has helped and continues to help thousands of people manage the thoughts in their head so they can listen to their hearts and focus on what truly matters. Kat herself has overcome drug abuse, obsessive compulsive behaviours and childhood trauma, reinforcing that she's living proof that transformation is possible with the right tools in place. So I look forward to chatting to her today. So welcome, Kat, to the show. <laughs> Thank you, Vicky. <laughs> so good to see you. I, you too. I bumped, I found you. I was at the vegan market recently and saw you walking through and I'm like, oh my goodness, I have to go up to this woman and tell her how much joy she brings <laughs> into people's lives and into my life. And it's just a delight to watch you. So thank you. Thank you so much for being you. My absolute pleasure. You know, it's funny. I was turning at the, at the vegan market, I was turning around the corner and I saw you, I saw your face looking, you were looking out somewhere and I was like, oh, she's really pretty. And that, that was the thought that was in my head. And then the next minute I've got this tap on my shoulder. I'm like, oh, it's a pretty chick. <laughs> that's too funny. Too funny. Uh, All right. So the love is mutual. Okay. That's good. Love is mutual. Nice yes. to establish that. Tell us, so tell us about you. Who is Kat John? For people who may not know you, which I think that's going to be very, very rare, but for people who may not know you, tell us about you. Who is Kat John? Yeah, in in terms of let's say Cat John the business, um, professionally I'm an authenticity coach, keynote speaker, uh, soon to be author. I've got a book uh, coming out next year, which is in the making, uh, which is pretty exciting. Um, I've got my own podcast, Real Raw Relatable, and um, yeah, fundamentally, my work is to help specifically women I mean look some men do come into my circle um, but predominantly it is women is to help them come back to their real and genuine self Um, and a big component to coming back to ourselves is is really learning about not even learning it's about noticing and recognizing what we're giving our fucks to that has absolutely nothing to do with our real and genuine self so that's me at catch on the business in terms of me as a human being, you know, um, I'm like everyone else doing my best to navigate my own thoughts, my own stories, um, this life and show up as real and genuine as I can be, you know? Um, so yeah, like my business is the physical manifestation of the work I've done on myself amazing and continue to to do continue to do which is incredible and you share it so beautifully but tell us how did the zero fucks movement actually begin and for people who don't know what is it and yet how did it come about for you so 
it's interesting the zero flux movement it's what it's not about it's not about sticking your middle finger up to the world and going i don't care what you think of me you know go screw yourself uh, i'll be me whatever it's not having that fake false bravado like that cockiness um it's actually much deeper than that giving the zero fucks movement is about what are you currently giving a fuck to in terms of the stories in your head what stories are you giving and by fucks i mean your time your energy your headspace your heart space your your life force you know what are you giving all of that to that is really not serving you your relationship your well-being which all contributes to you showing up in the most authentic way. And it's then about, okay, well, now that I know what I'm giving my fucks to, that is absolutely, I'm wasting it. I'm, I'm, I'm poor in my time, my energy, et cetera. Now, where do I need to place it? And so, you know, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm creative. I'm expressive. I love to dance. I've always danced since I was a kid. So I've used, I use music, dance and movement um, as a way to uh, show an embodied experience of what giving zero fucks is like, because, you know, when I first um, started the movement, oh gosh, I think that's now like five, six years ago, um, not many people were showing up on Instagram dancing. No. You know, it was more of a photo-based uh, platform. Mm. No reels existed. I remember when I did my first video, I had to put like a JBL speaker next to the, uh, <laughs> next to my phone. And people were like, how do you have music for your thing? I'm like, oh my gosh, if only you knew what I was doing in the background. Um, well, it works. But it works. But yeah, I guess uh, I, I, have, I have often used music and movement as a way to free myself from what is going on in my head. And so I coupled the, the Zero Fucks movement and dance um, to, share, to share a message um and so yeah that's been rocking and rolling for the last yeah six years it's incredible because we all know how good it feels after dancing or just having that you know the liberation to me but I think I Mm. think um a lot of people are inhibited like a lot of Mm. people and and this goes back to what you're saying before about you know what are you giving your fucks to I think a lot of people feel judgment and a lot of people are self-conscious and so I think I feel like your message is so big you know it's about Mm. freeing people up whatever is Mm. holding them back from being their authentic self and I know that's a big part of what you do as well but how did that how what was the catalyst for you in terms of what was happening in your life that you felt that you need to create this or 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 set yourself Uh, free yeah look I mean that that takes us back to I guess in my earlier years like pre pre the cat that you will see and experience today um you know I was an Olympic athlete in people pleasing oh (laughs) no 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 I was not an Olympic athlete. I was an Olympic athlete in people pleasing. Okay, yes. You know, I was an Olympic athlete, you know, uh, A-plus student in really abandoning myself in order to get a like, to be accepted, in order to fit in. Um, And I really would morph and adapt myself to the surrounds. It was like being a chameleon. I would morph and adapt myself to the surrounds and wonder why I was so exhausted. Wonder why after years of doing that, I fucking hated myself. Wonder why after so many years of doing that, I didn't like myself. 
And, you know, I'd, I'd say yes to guys that would like me that I didn't even ask myself if I liked them. I was like, whoa, someone likes me. Someone wants to date me. Um, and really gave myself up far too easily. And, you know, Vicky, years of doing that, oh, you just, you, you erode your soul. You erode, like, you erode you. And, and that, I believe, can lead to depression. It can, uh, it can lead to suicide. Um, and they, they are two, you know, sides of the coin that I definitely played into and, and thought about. Um, and I guess for me, a big shift in what, in, in what took place, and this was sort of after I had brain surgery and, and, and all of that kind of started to heal, it was a, um, my boyfriend and I broke up when I was 20, maybe I was 25. And I was a serial dater. I was like, boyfriend, break up. I need someone. Boyfriend, break up. I need someone. I just couldn't be with me. Couldn't be with me. And um, I did this chakra empowerment course. And one of the homework pieces was to go to five rhythms, which is um, uh, another dance type expression. Um, and you go through five different rhythms of dance, one's staccato, chaos, uh, lyrical, stillness, and I can't remember the other. And I rocked up and I was like, fuck this, I'm going home. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, so I started to judge people. I was judging the room. I'm like, these are not my people. This is not my crew. These are a bunch of Looney Tunes. I'm walking out. I'm telling my teacher that she can go shove this chakra course up her butt, right? But I was at the same time, I was searching for myself. I was seeking myself. So I stayed, but then I turned the judgment on myself. And I was um, almost like getting into other people's heads and thinking what I thought they might think about me. You know, oh, what's she doing here? Why is she here? What's, why isn't she dancing? Uh, how come she's not moving? And then I'd be like, why aren't you moving? And I, and I was so in my head, I just wanted to literally like pop my head off like a pimple. And probably that went on for 20 minutes. The whole room was dancing, doing their thing. And I was literally standing there, like arguing with myself and the room in my head. And I just said, fuck it, fuck it. You're here, get into it, move, move to the music, find your rhythm. Because I've danced since I was a little kid, right? Little kid, but it was always choreography dance. And then when I found the rhythm and my hip found the beat and my foot found the next beat and my arm found the next beat, I was like, oof, all right, something, something's happening here. And literally within two hours, my spirit came alive. And that was the first experience of me giving zero fucks. Not that the zero fucks movement started then in officially, but for me, that's when it started. That's when it started for me. And that's why I know when we dance, I know the awkward phase. I know that everyone's going to be like, I don't want to do it. Yes. And then the song comes on <laughs> and then a beat comes on and then a track comes on. They're like, fuck it. I'm just yeah. going to get into it. And yeah. then they find themselves. Amazing. So do yeah. you um, attribute any of that feeling and the way things were so the, like the chaos in, in the head to your upbringing or anything that you went through in your earlier mm -hmm. years? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So my, 
I had a really good upbringing in terms of, you know, family structure. Um, I guess, you know, in terms of uh, the family dynamic at home, uh, we weren't, it wasn't a very expressive family, which was killing me on the inside. Um, But also when I was a six-year-old girl, I was sexually abused. And, you know, I mean, anyone who's had that experience knows that it does fuck with you and stay with you for life. Um, But I think the worst thing was that I continued to abuse myself up here, right? So the, the scenario took place and then what I made it mean was like, 50 billion times worse that you know I'm, a, I'm I'm worth nothing people can use you people can do what they want with you um, you're at the beck and call of what others want um, you know you what you what what you want doesn't matter what you have to say doesn't matter um, all of that right and so that unconsciously started from a six-year-old girl and then it just as you know, as we get older, we become a bit more aware, a bit more conscious. The thoughts start coming up, and we're like, "Oh, that's what's that?" And you know, over the years, it just got louder, worse, louder, worse, louder, worse. And Steve, my beautiful partner, he's like, "Fuck, your darkness is such an asshole." Um, and it is; it really is. Wow. But do you feel like now you've worked through that and continue to work through that? Definitely, I work. I work with it. I work with it because different scenarios will reactivate it. Like I'm a, I'm a bonus mum, and when uh, the girls were little and they would climb into our bed, my body would freeze. I'd go straight back into the responses to what I did when I was a little girl. And I was like, oh, what the hell is going on here? And, you know, my thoughts are like, I thought I dealt with this. I thought I healed this. I thought I yada, yada, yada. And I realised that okay, I just need to work with this again. I need to work with this again. There's something else I need to love. There's something else I need to accept. There's something else I need to take care of or make feel safe or communicate or whatever it may be. Um, So, yeah, I definitely continue to work with it. Not all the time, but there are certain scenarios that go flick on the nerve and away we go. Yeah, yeah. No, I get it. (laughs) I was listening to a Lewis Howes podcast, I think it was, and he Mm. talks about his experience and it's about also not letting that define you. You know, absolutely. Yeah. Obviously, you you know, it's something that's happened and everything, all of our experience shape who we are, but it doesn't define who you are. Nope. And, and so, and so would you say that that has been the greatest challenge that you've had to overcome in your life? Yeah, I, I'd say one of, certainly that has, that was like the earliest childhood um, one. And also I'd say the second one was uh, when I had brain surgery and chronic pain. The brain surgery was like, all right, cool. I, that's just what I need to do. But I had chronic pain for nearly up to six years and it was chronic nerve pain. Um, and I was highly medicated for it. Uh you know, very overweight and unwell and foggy from the medication. Um, And then to have that brain surgery to not correct, it corrected everything structurally, but it didn't stop the pain. And I was 23 at that time. And my neurosurgeon said, look, this is something you're probably just going to have to manage for the rest of your life. I was like, uh, beg your fucking pardon. (laughs) So was the the brain surgery specifically to eliminate the pain? 
no, the brain surgery was I had this uh, congenital condition that I didn't know that I had. Um, basically, when I started partying and taking drugs when I was 18, um, because whatever drugs I would take would make my brain swell, uh, that's when the pain started when I was 18. And it exacerbated this congenital condition that I didn't know that I, that was there. So the pain started when I was out partying and then it continued to just stay, get worse, stay, get worse, stay, get worse. Um, and then it was permanent. It was when I would wake up all the day, all the night, all the day, all the night, etc. So what I found out, I was working at, um, I was a nurse before what I do now. And um, I went to walk down a set of stairs and I couldn't walk. Um, so whatever was going on inside my, my brain had gotten to a point where my brain and my body was not communicating. So I got an MRI and they discovered that I had this uh, congenital condition where the, the back of the brain or the base of the brain, it's too big and it starts to herniate down into your spinal cord. And basically it squashes, it's like a T intersection for a traffic light, a, a traffic intersection um, it jams all the fluid that's meant to flow up your spinal cord around your brain that allows you to move freely, easily, effortlessly. Um, and it was creating these benign tumors in my spinal cord. So when I got the MRI and the results, they were like, you need to have surgery because as you, as this progresses, um, the pain will become worse. There will be nerve damage. There can be paralysis. And in the worst cases, you can be a paraplegic. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so some people, go on. Yeah, go. No, no, I was just going to, I was just going to say, but so would this have happened if you hadn't have taken drugs? Not sure. So, um, a lot of people who have this condition, it's not super common, but they either get severe headaches, they can have seizures. Um, some, but some, it's, it's usually a high pressure situation where, their brain is under pressure. So, for example, um, women who are pregnant and who then give birth who don't know they have this condition will often seizure um, and can can die because there's too much pressure in the brain. People who then have a car accident, pressure in the brain, if they've had a head injury, they find out they have this condition. Um, but there are other signs and symptoms. So for me, it was chronic pain. I got I used I used to get eye flickers and I would have swelling in weird places in my body. Um, other people, like I said, get severe headaches, um, can seizure. Um, so yeah. Wow. And so, mm. did the surgery rectify the problem? Rectified the brain and was able to create the flow back. So the basically the T intersection. There was no more traffic, um, but the the my nerves were so kinked like a, a a hose they were kinked in all different directions that the nerve conduction the messages were always pain 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 because they weren't firing correctly so um uh, yeah it, yeah it was the the chronic pain was more than the surgery itself I can imagine. Um, and it's almost like yeah. you, you can't function when you're in a level of pain like that. It's like you, you can't think of anything else but the pain. No. 
it becomes, you know, that like what you were talking about with that podcaster, that became me. Chronic pain became me. And that's when it's fucked. Wow. Yeah. And so how did you manage that? So a few months into after the surgery, um, I said to my surgeon, like, I'm not coping. Um, this, this pain is really bad. <clears throat> and then he put me on this very, it's quite a strong medication. Um, and he said, look, we'll just give you a little dose and see how you go. There are some pretty significant side effects, um, but let's see. And literally I took it and I had all the fucking side effects. Um, and the, you know, it was one of the side effects is, is depression and suicide or suicidal thoughts. And my, my boss had to pull me aside and said, I don't think you're safe. I don't think you're safe at the moment in yourself or at work. You need to take time off. You need to look, you need to look into this. Um, you're not okay. You're not okay. Um, basically whatever, I was pretty dark at that point, you know, I had pretty little hope. I had no self, there was no self-reflection, self-awareness around that time in my life. Um, So everything was, why me? What did I do in a past life? What have I done wrong? Um, All that kind of story. So um, yeah, he said, you need to go and sort yourself out. And I remember I wrote a letter to my family um, because all the hope and light that I might've had left was just, that was gone. Um, and you know, I wasn't in that state for a long time, but you know, I have, I have real empathy for people who are in that level of dust because I can see that the only way out, you can think that the only way out is taking your life. Right. Cause that feels like, that feels like the only option. Um, so I wrote a letter to my family and I had pushed a lot of people away at this point. Um, and I just said to them, like, you probably know it already, but I'm not okay. And, you know, what's worse now than the pain itself is the fear of being in my own head and I need help. I don't know where to look. I don't know what to do, um, but I need help. And my mum was volunteering at the Austin hospital and she, you know, clicked into her connections. And uh, I met up with a professor of neurology and he was like, he's my saving grace. Oh, wow. God you know, you know, when you meet those saving <laughs> graces in your life, you're like, thank God for you. Yes. I don't know where I'd be. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So what, what happened when you met him? He gave me the fucking key to myself. He gave me the key to myself. I thought he was going to give me more medication, maybe uh, suggest some more surgery. And he said, Kat, you've been dealt a shit card. There's no doubt about that. He said, but I reckon you can turn this around. I reckon you can. And he gave me the um, analogy of an Olympic athlete. He said, they will train, sleep, meditate, do whatever they got to do, eat, not eat, whatever in order to stand on that podium and have the gold around their chest and pressing on their chest, they will do whatever they got to do. He said, I need you to have the same tenacity for something that you so desperately want. Wow. Love it. I was like, who is this nutty professor? (laughs) God said, all right. Yeah. And obviously that resonated with you. Totally. 
And, you know, back then I was 24. So it was very new agey then. Like the stuff that we have now is everywhere. Back then, you know, it was like Googling Deepak Chopra or Googling Dr. Wayne Dyer. Uh, Maybe there'd be something on YouTube, but fucking nothing like we have now. So, you know, for him to say that, it, 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 it communicated to something in me that said, yes, this is the way, this is the way. And so he said to me, I want you to take an invisible prescription for 12 months. I want you to wake up in the morning and put your feet on the ground. And he said, I want you to close your eyes and I want you to imagine something that you really want. What do you really want, Kat? What do you want for yourself? And I said, dude, I want to be free. I want to be free to be me, free to be happy, free to just live my life. And he said, cool. That's what I want you to do every morning. I want you to imagine what that version of cat looks like, feels like, smells like, what she's up to, um, all of that. And he said, I want you to take action in favor of her. And he said, know that you can't hurt yourself or harm your pain any more than what you're already in. So um, just give it one year. Give it one year and don't miss a day. Love this So man. I did. It's yeah, so, I know. It's so unconventional know. for such a conventional practitioner. Oh, I know, <laughs> I know, I know. Um, and I asked him if I could not take medication anymore because I said, if I'm going to do this, I want to do this clean. I want to do it clean. I want to feel fresh. I, want to, I don't care how much pain I'll be in because I just want to do it right. And he said with the dose that I was on, because it was only a small dose, that the only way off that was to stop. So I stopped my medication. And every day, uh, and that was really my introduction to, you know, battling the thoughts in my head that were saying, this is a waste of time, this doctor's a loony tune, Uh, you'll never get through this, you will have to take pain medication, so you may as well take it anyway, you're going to be a bitch to your whatever, you're going to be in pain, whatever. So it was it was my first real like war within myself between the thoughts that were already there but then another part that was trying to rise you know and that part that was trying to rise just said feet on the floor close down your eyes put music on imagine what she's like and 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 move toward her literally move toward her what can you do today to serve her and like Vicky, that's all I did. That's what I did for what well, was 10 months. I would, I would vision, I'd, I'd move toward her by moving. I would actually then get engaged in life and I'd go to, I think Zumba was the thing yeah, back yeah. then. So I went to Zumba. <laughs> I would walk to work and catch a cab back because Ubers didn't exist then. Um, all of that. And slowly but surely what was happening was I was lubricating my nerves that were all kinked that were all in the wrong position and I was lubricating them. I was moving my body. I was getting engaged in life again, engaged in community, being healthy, etc. And within 10 months, within 10 months, I had no chronic pain. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. Absolutely incredible. And to this day, no pain. No pain. Wow. No pain. That is amazing. Is he still alive? He's still alive. And what I met a- him. 
Absolute saint. That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, that kind of advice, like you say, like it's so, so unconventional for someone who's so mainstream. But totally. that's amazing. And it's great that you actually took it on board. Like you obviously had respect for him or you, and as your mum probably yep. did as well. So, you know, you took it on board because it could have gone either way. Clearly yep. at that point, it could have Absolutely. easily gone the other way. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. How lucky. And so, yeah. so now, so obviously the pain is gone. So it, there's no issue with the brain anymore. And it's just you yep. free cat can move yep. fully lubricated. Yeah. <laughs> fully <happy>. lubricated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love it. Love oh, it. That's great. That's amazing. <laughs> So just taking a break from today's episode to introduce you to our sponsor, Jemay's Fine Foods, helping you to live a life of longevity through your diet. Foods such as nutritional lattes, superfood breakfast bowls, sweet balsamic reduction, and our latest product, the Hoodles Healthy Instant Noodles, which all can be found at jemaysfinefoods.com.au. Now back to the episode. So tell me about what does living authentically mean to you and how do people know if they're not living authentically? Like what are the signs? Mm, it's a big question. Oh, I guess, look, for me, living authentically, it's it's my willingness to be real and honest with myself first, right? It's It's my willingness to be real and honest with myself in, okay, how am I showing up here? Um, did I, why did I feel uncomfortable not to speak at that, uh, you know, in that circle of friends or why did I feel the need to dumb myself down around that person? Or why am I finding it really difficult to share what I want to say to my bonus daughters or to Steve? Um, it's, 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 it's being, yeah, it's, it's, it's having that willingness to ask the questions so you can get real and honest and get close to the truth. As soon as you're with the truth, it's like, okay, cool. Well, I've got one or two ways I can ignore the truth or I can live it. And then that, I mean, just living the truth or communicating the truth or actioning the truth or trying truth on again, even though it feels awkward, that to me is authenticity. Yes. Yeah, you know? absolutely. I've got a question. Just on that period mm. of time, that 10 months when you were recovering, because yeah. you know that saying, fake it till you make it, was there an element of you, you know, um, authenticity aside, where you just had to go through the motions, even though you weren't feeling that, you just had to do it because you knew that was going to help you. And so, 100%. yeah. So, so yeah. is there a space for that whole faking it till you make it? In life, like, are there moments where you have to kind of embody something that doesn't feel authentically you at that moment, but it's what you're working towards, so you do it anyway? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I get that. I don't live by the mantra "fake it till you make it." Like, it's that's not really in my vocabulary. Um, but I do have respect for, like, yeah, things. You're going to show up to things where you're going to feel uncomfortable. The first podcast, you're going to feel uncomfortable. The first uh, speaking engagement that you speak at, you're going to feel uncomfortable. The first time you go on a date after you've been divorced and, you know, that's going to feel uncomfortable. In terms of the fake it till you make it, you know, I think that there's the realness and authenticity comes in. Like, for example, there are many talks that I give where, like I did a talk, oh, it was a good number of years ago where I showed up and I was I started my talk getting into it and I just said, actually, I need to stop. I need to stop because I've got so much on my mind right now that I'm distracted. 
And I said, I just need to clear that I'm holding the news that I just found out my grandma is about to die. I just, and I said, I just found that out on the way here. And I said, for me, in order, for me, in order to be um, present and, and uh, here, I just need to clear that. Right. So um, I think and the audience would have received that really well as well, just to have totally, that understanding of where you're at. Totally. You know, I think that there are, I get that there are some spaces, maybe be it corporate or some work environments where you just kind of, you do have to put on that front and that fakeness because that is the environment, which I think is damaging. I, I do think is damaging. Um, one thing I used to be a Lululemon ambassador. One thing that they taught me in their meetings, which I was privy to, before the meeting started, whoever was in the room, they spent five minutes on who needs to clear, who needs to clear so they can be here. And so they would then get into their work, but before it, they'd be like, "All right, I just had a fight with my partner this morning. I'm really angry. I'm really upset, and all I wanted to be doing is like writing a text message back to them with how pissed off I am." And that was it right that was it and you know uh, i think that there are there are environments like that where you can you still get it you get the job fucking done but you can bring that element of truthfulness uh, and i'm i'm yes. i'm struggling i'm struggling yes. yeah you know exactly and i think you're right it depends on the the environment the the workplace and the culture and all of those things doesn't it but it tell does. us about what when how do you know if you are living or what shows up in the body or what, what things mm. happen when you're not living your authentic, being true to yourself and living your authentic life? You yeah. know, what happens to people? I think one thing is we can forget that we're sentient beings that we feel, right? And when we start to get a little more in touch with, oh, that didn't feel quite right, oh, um, that felt a little bit off or, uh, you know what I mean? That's a sign that when we show up, like, for example, when you show up on a first date and you literally feel yourself flip into this altered version of yourself. Yes. And I used to do it. I used to flip into a little <laughs> Miss Independent. I don't fucking yeah. need you. You know, you'll just be like someone in my life when really on the inside, I was like, please love me. <laughs> And I would walk, I would feel myself do that and be like, hang on, if we can start to ask ourselves, wait, 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 why do I feel the need to do that? Or if maybe we reflect later when we go home from the date, why did I feel the need to do that? Why did I feel the need to put on a front or to agree when I actually didn't agree what's the story going on in my head that maybe is linked to past wounding past experiences that I need to look at so that next time I can show up with oh hey hey going I'm Kat you know nice to meet you this is my life and uh yeah you know rather than this is my life show pony it blah 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 um, hope you love me and then they don't and you're like, why don't they love me? Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but would you say that the body has a wisdom and so if it doesn't feel mm. right, it's not right. So you've got to, the more in tune you are with yourself and feelings, 
that and that and so when you're not living authentic or something is not um, kosher or it's not in line with your values, yep. you're going to feel that. 100%. And so then it starts to, so when we start to feel off, uh, there's something just not quite right, then we need, do need to ask ourselves, okay, what is that offness? And, and maybe at that point you haven't done any work on your values, your core values. So it, it's an introduction to, okay, well, I didn't like that. Why didn't I like that? I didn't like that because I value this or I find that this is important. And you start to fill yourself up with what matters from the inside out. You know, so I, it's, it's interesting. I actually like to use times when we feel ugh, icky, sticky, ooey, gooey as invitations to do the work, to see what might need expansion, love, healing, acceptance, holding, whatever it may be, so that then we can step forward again with more of us present, you know. So I don't necessarily see it as a, a negative thing or a bad thing unless we just keep repeating it over and over and over again. And it's like, dude, you're not getting the lesson. Like, really, you got to dial in. But, you know, there are times to, to this day where I'm like, okay, I know that this scenario is going to challenge me. I know that this person is going to challenge me. And I know that my typical response is going to retreat, retract, go small, laugh at stuff that I don't want to laugh at. And my remedy is, okay, how am I going to stay in myself? What's going to help me stay in myself and be present, feel a little bit awkward and move through this with more me intact? Um, so yeah, absolutely. The body absolutely has the wisdom. It so does. And so, but in, in terms of when people are not being true to themselves and not living authentically, does that show up? I haven't got this in the questions, but I'm just thinking. Yeah, no, does, go, yeah. Does, does it show up? Does it manifest in a way that's like an ailment or over time, like surely over time it has to manifest in some way? Or is it just, or is it just like an inner unhappiness because you're not living your truth and being true to you? So it, it's, it's more subtle and it's just like, you're just not happy. I think it's both. I think it can be both. I, I think it can show up in the relationships we attract, the opportunities we attract, the jobs that we go for. So that's all like, you know, external. It can show up in, you know, if, if you're two people that are married and typically uh, inauthentic and then you breed more inauthenticity with children you know you start to see that as physical manifestations um i know that you know in terms of the body like i'm a believer of yes we have like yes there are physical ailments um, but i'm also a believer of fuck, whatever is not resolved is going to manifest in some way shape or form through brain so like a, a brain thing you know like for so long in my life I didn't express my truth for so long in my life I didn't express my truth and it got clogged and shoved and clogged and shoved and clogged and shoved and if you think about my brain it was clogged and shoved and it was blocked the fluid that's meant to make my my correct wasn't flowing and it was jammed right? And so I was in pain, you know, I was in pain internally and now I'm in physical pain because my body is like, wake the fuck up. But what a mirror. It's exactly what you like totally experienced. Exactly. Yeah. 
So I'm a big believer of that. I know that there are a lot of people who are. I know there are a lot of people who aren't. I am um, too, yeah. But I definitely am. Totally. And what yeah. about, um, tell us about what limiting beliefs are for people that don't understand that. What, what's limiting belief and how do people break through them? Do you have any examples? Mm. Oh man, just <laughs> just go inside my head, and you. <laughs> oh, I'm kidding. Wake oh, up my inside goodness. my head, and you'll be like, "Oh, so that's what she means." <laughs> but do the limiting beliefs come from ch- again childhood, or is this? Go, you you talk. Tell us what limiting beliefs are. Yeah, so there's there's from the time we're zero to seven we are absorbing the world at a very rapid pace because we need to figure out how the fuck it works. How does this world work? How do I work in the world? How do others work in the world? How do I work with others in the world? And that's typically represented through our family, through our immediate caregiving um, surrounding with parents, caregivers, siblings, whatever, whoever's there. Now, some people don't have amazing environments growing up. Some of us have awesome environments growing up. No matter what, we never we never get all of our needs met when we're growing up, right? No matter, like for example, I have clients who have had very traumatic um, upbringings and others who have had pristine, perfect upbringings. Even the pristine, perfect upbringings, they have this unrelenting belief in them that they always need to be more, 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 do more, be more, perfect it, do more, be it, perfect it, do more, be it, perfect it, right? And that's because their environment, not that their parents meant to give them that message, but we're absorbing the world. We're like, right, this is how the world works. This is my environment. How do I survive this environment? Okay, do more, be more perfected. Do more, be it perfected because that's how I get love. That's how I get recognition. That's how I get noticed. That's how I feel powerful. That's how I feel whatever, enough, worthy, etc. And so then we, they, you know, those beliefs aren't meant to be limiting when we're little because they're literally just trying to help us figure out how life works. But as we add five, 10, 20, 30, 40 years on top of childhood, those, li- those beliefs become very limiting because our inner desire, our authentic self, our true self is, say, for example, calling for us to enjoy life, be present, embrace whatever, right? Embrace the moment. That belief that was birthed from a child, which is now limited, is saying, ah, 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 do more, be more perfect it, then you can. Do more, be it perfect it, then you can. Do more, be it perfect it, then you can. And so it becomes limited because what the yearning, the yearnings in us that 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 just so desire to come out and breathe fresh air again, they really don't stand a chance unless we start to work with our limiting beliefs, work with our ego, work with all right, where is this belief coming from and, and how can I, like, like I've said, give it love, accept it, heal it, hold it, whatever it may be. Mm, yes, exactly. So so limiting beliefs can also be something like if some, a parent said to you, oh, you're, you're stupid or... Totally. That, yeah. Yep. Or a teacher yep. or someone. Absolutely. Or, or if you've had a relationship that's broken down and you were married once, like never getting married again, I hate marriage. A hundred percent. So 100%. Okay. Yep. So how do, how do people 
break through? Is it just by recognizing firstly that it is a limiting belief? Yeah. It's always like everything in any type of work that you do is always going to start with awareness. It always is going to start with awareness. Like for example, um, so with me being sexually abused as a child, I created the belief that, well, no one's going to come and fucking save me, so I need to sort myself out. I need to be a little misindependent. But on the opposing end of that belief is this craving for someone to rescue me and save mm, me, right? So yes, I fling between the, the two. two. If I'm not yes. conscious, I fling between the two. Little misindependent, oh, my God, I just want someone to rescue me and save me because I'm so tired, right? And so just recently I have um, that same belief I'm still working with because the last year uh, I have had less support in my business out of choice. But as I've grown bigger, I've still been like, no, 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 I'm good. I don't need help. No, 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 I'm good. I don't need help. I'm going to need help. I don't need help. And now I'm fucking exhausted. (laughs) Exactly. I'm exhausted. Look at that. Look at that. Exactly. So now the belief is limiting me. Sometimes I'm like, actually, no, I do. I have got this. I am okay. But there are other times where it's like, Mm-mm, because if you get support, if you get help, it means you're going to grow, expand even more. We're not used to that. We don't want that. The ego doesn't like us growing and expanding beyond who it thinks we are. So, you know, yeah, it'll, it'll, it'll do all its little tricks to keep small. Yes. But do you feel like with Steve, because he understands you so intimately mm. as well, is he, I mean, obviously he see he knows you. Yeah. So does he, I feel, I feel like your relationship, because you're very open and honest, even on your podcast, you know, about the way you guys roll, but it feels like you, you can, like, he's the perfect guy for you to lean on if you ever want. Totally. Like he's there. Totally. He's there. Yeah. Totally. Do you know how and, many years it's taken me to actually <laughs> drop in though? I can imagine. Yeah. To actually let him be there. He's always been there, but to let him be there is different. I I, I can see that because, you know, like you say, you're so fiercely independent. And because of what you went through, it's like that has been your internal dialogue as well. Exactly. But it's now it's like, you know what, he's the perfect man for you. And it's like you can surrender to him. Exactly. Let him hold you. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, he's got got a big chest for a reason. (laughs) It's beautiful. It's beautiful. But, you know, like look at that. It's almost like a lifetime of of undoing. You know, it's a life's work, isn't it? Seriously. Seriously. And, and, and continue like it's non, it's unrelenting. You just got to keep at it, but that's, that's interesting. So, um, mm. limiting beliefs. Okay. So having awareness to help break through that and obviously having the conversations with people who, cause if that impacts relationships, totally, mm-hmm. you know, it's about, yeah, I guess being communicative about, you know, what that is and how to break through it as, I guess, as a yep. couple or whatever that may be. Yeah. Um, so one of your many strengths is obviously empowering people to break through their own bullshit um, in order to live a fulfilling and happy life. Tell us about the day-to-day and what has helped you and how do you keep it all together? Mm. Well, I think I keep it all together by being open and honest that I don't have it all together. You know, like it's fucking rare for people to show, especially on Instagram, that they're not cool you know, and when I mean cool, like they're not okay. And that's a part of myself that I'm willing to show and I'm willing to share. And that's what keeps me together because if I've done it before 
where I'm like, okay, I'll only show the happy parts, whether it's to my friends or to, I don't know, people that I used to date or on social media. And that, that undoes me, that undoes me, you know? So the way that I keep it all together is by sharing it all, warts and all. In terms of my day-to-day, I have a few practices, like uh, I always talk about in my coaching program that um, we're developing a Mary Poppins bag. You know how Mary Ooh, Poppins? I like that. You yes. reach in and she's like, <laughs> we need this today. We need that today. Um, but for me, like at the moment, um, I, first things first, I always move my body. So I take my uh, wake up, cuddle Steve, cuddle the dogs, and then we're off down the beach walking, come back. Um, either I do my qigong before I go to the gym or after I come home from the gym, which is um, just like on the canal, like by the, by nature and under a beautiful tree. Um, and then typically I won't start, I won't come to my laptop till about 10 a.m. Yeah. Um, I've, I've, again, I just, I know myself well enough that when I try and live to societal norms, I, I forget me. I forget that I know the way that I want to live my life and that I know the pace and rhythm that I know I need to set for me. So for me, it's, yeah, I've got um, designated days for admin days, coaching days, podcast days, uh, that type of thing. Um, I always take walk breaks during the middle of the day um, with the dogs, again, in nature. It's always in nature. I just bloody love it. Um, and you know, home cooked meals, like I cook my food, eat vegan, um, sometimes vegetarian, but you know, 99% vegan and end the day with a walk again with the dogs at like eight 30. Um, and yeah, that's day to day. Yeah. 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 It keeps me level on even keel. Yeah, I'm the same. And I think that's the thing. It's like when your life is lifestyle based, it's like your work. Totally. Kind of, you, yeah, that's the priority is the lifestyle. Yeah. You know, it's the eating yeah. well, it's the moving well, it's the good relationships and then work, everything flows better. Yeah. If that's your priority, the forefront, then yeah, that's amazing. Tell mm-hmm. us about um, what is a key quote or mantra that you live by? Mm. That's a good one. There's a few. I don't know who said this one, but it's what is what is meant for you won't miss you. Oh, it's mm. a good one. Yes. Yeah. It, it that keeps me in faith. Mm, I love that. Yeah. What yeah. is meant for you won't miss you. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, I hope that's true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, tell us about um the three your top 3 tips to living a longer, stronger, happier and healthier life. Mm. I'd probably say uh, to encompass all three, I would, I would say it's keeping clean. And what I mean by that, what I mean by that is it's, it's doing the work to keep your mind clean, doing the work to keep your soul clean, you know, doing the, the work to keep your body clean. Because in that, in that cleaning, you're obviously working with dirt, you're working with mud, you're working with ick. But once you work with that mud, that ick, that whatever, 
then there's space and there's light and there's clarity and openness, you know. And I would say, I would say that um, that would be it for me anyway. Mm. Yes. And that's one of the yogic yamas and niyamas, cleanliness of mind, body and mm. environment. And because once you've got that, when you practice that, it's like there's more space for creativity when you're not cluttered totally. one with, you know, like the dirt or the weeds, when your mind is de-weeded, there's space. Exactly. Yeah. For creativity and enjoyment and all those things. And Fresh soil, fresh seeds, yes. new flowers. Exactly. Yeah. Beautiful. I love that. Yeah. What's yeah. your second tip? Oh, what's my second tip? Oh, you know what? To living a longer, strong community. Community. Yeah, it's a good one. Um, Being amongst people. Yeah, I have. I really have with my, especially the peeps who are, you know, part of my, the events that I've run for the last five years. Um, Gosh, like when, when when a freaking good community comes together, it's, that's human. You know, that's what, that's where the human race is. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people are really struggling with community these days. Yeah. Like I've got a yeah. 21-year-old son. I think you may have met him. Yes. Yeah. Um, Jamey, and he meant comments a lot that, you know, it's very hard for him to find mm. kids of like mind or guys because especially with boys, you know, they don't – they on social yeah. media and they think they're connected but they're so disconnected and totally. they don't call anymore. They don't hang out anymore, you know, and even if – yeah, it's just I think it's very hard for people to – to commune and gather unless you're part of a church group or a group. That's you know, right. Even, yeah. I mean, he, he plays tennis. He's even part of a tennis club, but even then it's like, if you don't click with the people, it's like you'd only see them at tennis and not outside of that. So I don't know. I feel like there's a real op- opportunity here. You know how you've got all your bumble and all these apps where people can meet yeah. romantically. It feels like, yeah. I don't know if there is one, but it feels like there needs to be something for people to, find other like-minded people i think there are there is a friend one i can't remember the name of the app because one of my clients used it and she found a, like a cool friend and they came to one of my dance events together oh wow um, okay i can't remember so it does exist it does exist i just can't remember the name of it right now That's if i right. ever find it, it out I'll, I'll tell you but it's true. And even like you and I spoke once before about the blue zones, like that is a key That's for longevity it. as well, having the totally. community around you. Tell us your third tip to living longer, stronger, happier, healthier. I would say, I would say doing what brings you joy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and more of that, you know, and maybe that, maybe that is being amongst community. Maybe that is for me, it's dancing. Like find me in my joy. I'm dancing. I'm at a dance class. I'm just dancing at home. Um, yeah, I, I, I think anything that's really going to help us get out of our head and be in the moment with whatever we're in the moment with that's bringing us joy. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So if people don't know you, I mean, I, I love watching your Instagram cat. It's, <laughs> it's absolutely so joyous to watch. Uh, that brings me joy as well. Tell us what is next for Cat John? Mm, so I have a book coming out next year um, and that's all around, all on authenticity and how to come back home to our authentic self. Um, so that's coming out. Interestingly, you know, I'm at, I'm at a time where I'm stripping back a lot, um, stripping back a lot of what I'm looking at my services, looking at what I'm offering, 
And I'm asking myself that question, like, okay, is, is this, is this where I want to, is this the best time, energy, life force fucks? Is it the best use of it? And uh, if the answer is no, if it's not a fuck yes, then it's a no, you know? And so I've been, I've been in clearing mode. I've been in, okay, cool. Well, let's, let's, let's let this go. Let's let this go. And I'm, I'm letting remain. What remains is like, oh, all right. There's a lot of fucks that want to go here and that's going to require, um, yeah, next level cat to show up to that. So I need to release what needs to be released. So, I mean, I'm actually in that place at the moment, which is exciting because, um, it just means that the capacity that I'll have for my coaching and my programs, um, will be really cool. And I've just signed on with a, a management company as well. So um pretty sure next year is going to be a, a rad year. Huge. Amazing. But I'm setting it up, setting it up for this year by releasing. Okay. So yeah. we've got the book, we've got the yep. Zero Fucks. What do you do? The, you do the dance Yeah, so that's, that's changing monthly? a little bit as well. Um, okay. So with this new management company, we'll be looking to run less events but bigger events. Love um, it. throughout the year. Um, Very so exciting. Yeah, I know. It's so exciting. The I know. I know. So there's <laughs> so the book, there's those events just in a different capacity. Um, and there's my coaching program, which is called the Zero Fucks Program. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. And I heard you <laughs> change the title of that. Change the title. Yeah. So it yeah. used to be the Legends. Um, now it's the Zero Fucks Program. And it has all the teachings about the ego, the limiting beliefs. It has the remedies and dances, obviously, inside of that, movements inside of that. Um, and then, yeah, so many, so many beautiful teachings and tools to stay connected to who we are. It's beautiful. You're amazing, Cat. Yeah. Tell people <laughs> where they can find you. Uh, best place is to have a little geezer and have a little looksy is on Instagram. So that's cat.john with a K. Um, then I would suggest to listen to my podcast if you want to dive a little deeper. Um, and that's where I'd begin. Super fun. I listened to one recently, you and Steve. Yes. And I believe your wedding is coming up. It is. That is beautiful. And it it's is. been a long time coming. It has. Yeah. We were meant to get married in 2020. Um, obviously COVID took place and then I just was like, meh, let's not get married. And then this year he's like, I want to get married. I wanna, That's beautiful. I want you to be my wife. And so Seal this the is, deal. it's Steve's day. <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's very exciting. I'm so happy for you. Cannot you. wait to see this book launch and what unfolds for you in 2024. You are an absolute delight. We love your energy and thank, thank you, you for being your authentic <laughs> self. <laughs> my pleasure. Thank <laughs> we you. We love it. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining me today. I really hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and follow me on our YouTube channel, One Body, One Life, to see more inspirational videos to help you reach optimal wellness and longevity. But until next time, don't forget, you've got to nourish to flourish.